This is Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net, and it's time for Avoid the Maze. You know that maze you walk through on a daily basis, but you know what? We learn a lot going through it. My guest today is Candy Matzik, who is also a podcast host, and we're going to learn about her podcast, amongst other things. So welcome to Avoid the Maze, Candy. How are you? I am well. Thank you, Karen. I really uh, am excited about this conversation and I appreciate you having me as a guest. Well, absolutely. Just for those of you who are listening today, you always hear me say where I met my guest and I met her on a uh, group site called podmatch.com, which I am so enthralled with because before I belonged to podmatch, I, you know, I was like reaching the sky to find people to talk to. And the reality of it is there are so many people so close to me through this organization. So thank you, podmatch.com. And Candy, thanks for matching up with me. That's great. So we were talking before we went on air today about what you do, how you got to being what you're doing. Um, I think if all of us like take a step back and think, you know, what did I say I wanted to be when I was five years old, 10 years old, 15 years old, we all had a plan. And I know my plan went out the window by the time I finished college. Um, so what I thought I was going to be, I'm not. Um, although I take that back. I wasn't, but I am now because I wanted to be in communications. I wanted to share with people. I wanted to learn about other people. And I was told when I graduated high school, my parents said, no woman is gonna make it in the broadcasting field. So I listened to them until one day I woke up and said, you know, you were wrong. So we're gonna go forward with it. So Candy, introduce yourself to our guests and tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got to sitting behind the microphone. Right. So um, I guess I'll start with the present day. So right now I am a business coach for coaches and that also encompasses a life coach for coaches because, you know, coaches have lives too and our business and our lives sort of intertwine. I am a host of the podcast called She Coaches Coaches, and I do solo episodes, I do compilation episodes, I, I do guest episodes, I have so much fun doing it. So that's a little bit about me right now. So tell me, when you were in elementary school, do you, do you remember what it was that you said you wanted to be when you grew up? Well... Yeah. So I don't want to get into a real long story, but I remember I was probably old and this isn't what I wanted to do when I grew up, but I think it sort of was an indicator of my personality. I was standing up to my parents. Now I'm five years old. I'm very short. And in those days I was even rounder and I put my hands on my hips and I said, I am the master of my own destiny. Love it. And they laughed. <laughs> <laughs> and they teased me. And you know, when it said in the you know, the little child, it, you know, it, it sounds pretty ridiculous. 
But now the work that I do, it just shows me how even at that young age, there was that truth. We really are the master of our destiny. Yes. We are, it's not that we can control every single thing in our life. My goodness, there's so many things that happen in our lives and in the world, but we can decide how we want to react to it and how we want to think about it and who we want to be through all the good and the bad times. And so, you know, it sort of comes full circle, but, and it's just like you with communications. So that wasn't what I wanted to be when I grew up, but it was the thing that popped into my head when you're describing your story. I love it. I love it. And, you know, so many of us, as we go through life, we do make changes. Okay. Um, but one of the changes I have always found difficult for myself, uh, every time I looked at a job or something that I really wanted to do, I was always at the wrong age. It was either too young, too inexperienced, maybe a little bit too old. Oh, now very old. And those messages were coming from people all around me. And so a lot of things I didn't try to do because it was like, well, nobody's going to have any faith in me. Mm -hmm. But about 10 years ago, I started realizing that ageism isn't about necessarily growing older because it starts right at the beginning that we're considered not old enough. So when you stood there at five years old and put your hands on your hips and stated that you wanted, you know, to be the master of your own identity. Um, yeah. People laughed because why you're just this little kid. What do you know about that? But maybe you did know something about that. So how do we help individuals who are going through life changes all the time and help get us out of the ruts that many of us fall into. And I'm sure that's what you see in business. Very much. Um, and so the, you know, the operative word that you described as you were talking about that too old, too young, too, a little bit too old. Um, and then for my story, I would add on to that, um, too black, too female. I was very successful in corporate real estate at a senior leadership level for many years. And that is a very male dominated field. So also too female. And I'm an engineer, again, too female and too short. <laughs> so all that word too, you know, T-O-O. -O. And it's one of the things that I teach my clients about and just re not that we don't know it, but remind them of it is that word too, is that's the voice of judgment and the easiest way when you're faced with that is the simple question, like, is it really true? Is that true? And maybe not a yes or no answer, but is it possible that it might not be true? And can you see somebody else who is your age, who has done something not the same, but similar? So, you know, start to look outside of ourselves and our own self-doubt to what is really you know, what do we actually see in the world? And maybe not in our inner circle, but, you know, in the larger society. So that, that would be the place I would suggest. Well, you know, it's interesting because when I met my husband, um, I'm, we met through mutual friends 
and my husband was in the photo industry. And the weekend after we met, he was doing a photo show and he asked me to come join him. And he said, what do you really know about photography? And I said, um, my father gave me this old camera. I really don't know how it works, um, but I have film in it. And he sort of laughed and he said, well, bring it with you and we'll talk about it. Now he was in dark room um, sales. And so he showed me how to demo this one little thing that was about, I think it was about five, four by six, almost like a three by five card, but four by six card. And um, you could use that to adjust coloring when you were in development. Well, he showed me how to use it. I picked up on it. And for the whole weekend behind the desk, I demonstrated this. And the following week, he called me and he says, I don't know what you did, but I've just sold a thousand of those. Wow. He said, said, typically I sell one or two a month. He said, a thousand. And I said, I don't know. You showed me and I stood there and I demoed it. And I didn't talk about anything else. So maybe people thought I knew photography. Um, But that was the first time in my life. I was 30 years old at the time, uh, semi-newly divorced, single mom. And all of a sudden I realized I have some qualities. Qualities I never would have thought about. I mean, I just thought that I was sort of in a dead end. Single mom, had a daytime nine to five job. And I was just going to live the rest of my life doing that. And that one weekend turned me into saying, you know what? I can learn even more. I want to just add one thing here because the through line that I'm hearing is that was communication. And so knowing what your strength was as a child and then listening to people that, you know, in those days you thought were older and wiser, but then when it came time, here was this opportunity for you to use that gift. And as long as you're in line with your superpower, you're unstoppable, right? Yeah. And so that's exactly the same thing right there too. So you learned, you learned what, that you could do something that you could learn something, but also there was your superpower, just sort of like an iceberg kind of like popping up above the water. Oh, I love it. And that was the beginning of me stopping using the word no, or I can't, okay? Um, Sometimes I would say I'm really not interested because I wasn't. And because I wasn't interested, I didn't give it my all, you know, to to put it together. Um, And that's what I share with our listeners on this podcast. It's, you know, I may see a great quality in you, Candy, and in sit down with you and say, you know, you should be doing X. Mm-hmm. And you look at me like, mm, I don't think so. And if I don't listen to why you're telling me no, then first of all, we're not communicating. But secondly, I'm putting my thoughts onto you. And we don't grow as people when that happens. Agreed. And, you know, that is a coach approach, right? The coach approach is that your client, or it doesn't have to be a client, the person that you're speaking with 
they are the expert in their lives. They're the ones that really know the right answer for them. And sometimes hearing that suggestion that maybe doesn't resonate does spark something in them, right? So right. it's worth saying and then allowing them, allowing them to do what's right for them. So how do your clients find you? Because, you know, uh, as I've been asked many times, you know, I go online and I search for coaches and I get thousands of information and I don't know one from the other and what makes them a good coach and how do some people define themselves as a coach who haven't gone through the certification and others who have gone through the certification. So how does that help you, you know, get out there in front of people? Yeah. So that's uh, a many layered question. Let's start with the nuts and bolts about how people find me. Um, there's a few ways I am. Um, I'm, I'm in, always interested in building my practice through long-term strategy. And that usually means leveraging assets, things that have long lasting value, as opposed to the churn and burn of social media. Now I am on social, but that is not my prime way. So my prime way is podcasting and Pinterest and referrals from past happy clients. And that those are the three main ways. Another aspect that I think is not as easy to um, implement is SEO. I get a fair amount of Google traffic to my website because I spent that dedicated time to create that longstanding value. Right. So that's how people find me. Um, the second question about, you know, how do you, how, what is, what is a coach, right? Is it somebody who's taken a certain amount of training a little bit or a lot has a credential, doesn't have a credential, has a gift. There, there is. Sorry. Yeah. My dog is growling. And oh, that's okay. Okay. Um, so everybody has their, everybody has their set of values. Um, so I can really only speak to mine. And mine are that coaching is an apprenticeship-based profession, and that is a profession with a capital P. So I am always encouraging my clients, and because I do it myself, I take training, I get better, I learn. Um, that is, you know, that is me being in integrity with working with my clients. That does not mean, <clears throat> pardon me, that I don't know coaches who have not yet taken training who are very gifted. And I still love working with them. And then we do two things. Then they work on building their client base and their business. And I encourage them to take training. But I am also an ICF mentor coach. And so I can support them in growing their coaching skills that way. And, you know, there are so many of us as adults who think, you know, what am I going to do with this information? Okay. What am I going to do with this certification? And what I share with individuals is that in 2008, when my son was graduating high school, um, I had my associates in communication 
really hadn't been using it professionally the way I had wanted to. But I looked at my son and I thought, wait a second, you're going to have a four-year degree in four years. And your mom has gone all this time, has only had her two-year degree. So I'm going back to school. And I did that. And I got my master's. Um, because for me, by absorbing more information and absorbing that information in um, in a manner that meant something to me, not just picking up a book, not just reading articles, which I did as well, but I felt I needed something more standard. And when I got my degree, I finally said to my family, now I'm going to put this to use. And if one, only one person hears my voice, that's fine. And if thousands hear my voice, that's okay too. But I need to do what is going to help me keep growing through my life. And I remember my mother saying to me at the time, why did you waste your time? And all that money, I mean, honey, you're 60 years old now and you have your degree. I said, yes, I'm 60 years old and I have my degree. And I said, maybe I'll get another degree someday. And that's what I want people to understand. It has nothing to do with age, okay? But I finally was getting that opportunity when my youngest was going away to college that, hey, He's doing what he wants to do. Isn't it about time I do what I want to do? Agreed. Agreed. And, you know, and to, I guess to, there is that different perspective on life for people who are, um, you know, the generation before us. And just as there's a different perspective for our children and will be eventually for our grandchildren. And part part of it is I think there is for women particularly there wasn't as necessary it wasn't a way of defining who you are by your level of education right. or your career or your contribution in that way the contribution was measured on a smaller sort of in a smaller zone around family and friends and for many people, church and volunteerism, um, still very valuable work. But that other area wasn't so much um, wasn't so much a consideration. And interestingly, because I think you and I are about the same age, um, my mom was self-employed. She was a self-employed accountant. She's still alive, um, and she built a heck of a business. And my grandmother also and so there is it's a those women like my mother and my grandmother that was not normal right? oh absolutely like, right yep. but it allowed me to think differently right and so I didn't necessarily have that same upbringing my mom worked full-time built a business built a business from scratch um and so of course it came naturally for me to think that a career was something that was important at any age, right? Well, you know, I did see my mother, my mother was a working mother from the time I was nine years old. Um, 
she did other small jobs prior to that, but at nine, uh, she went to work full time. Um, she built her own career without having a college education. And that was the one thing that I learned on her deathbed that, you know, she always wanted to go to college, but her parents felt that her older brother needed to have a college degree before she did. Um, which hearing that at that time um, was so, so sad for me because um, my mother absorbed education so well. Um, but she, she had a great life and she showed me along the way. Um, and I think that's why when I wanted to go to college and get this communications degree that she was sort of against it because she knew how tough it was for women to make it. And she wanted me to, if I was going to do anything, have something where maybe it'd be easier for me to get the type of job that I might want. But all that aside, even in today's society, um, women still are being judged when they are too old to be approachable for a job. Men as well. My, in fact, my husband just went through this. Um, he was he's in IT. He was hired by a local hospital for a project and. It was said in the contract, when this project ends, you will then become full-time and go on to other projects. And yet last week he was told, guess what? You're mm. not going full-time. And he mm. knows why. He knows exactly mm -hmm. why. His hair is snow white. And so whether they know how old he is or not, they're making assumptions. That is tough in today's world unless we recreate our, ourselves independently. Hmm. Is that something that you're seeing as, as well with people? It is. Um, and so I, I have been seeing that for a while. Um, and I think that this is an and, you know, so yes, and conversation. So now with the, you know, trend to quiet quitting, with the trend to... Um, you know, wanting your career to maybe take not the top billing in your life if you're of a certain age, I think there's going to be a need to have some people 50 plus um, come back into the workforce. And we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Some people 50 plus don't want to. Well, right? and you know, and if you can make that choice, and that is your choice, um, I say, you know, go for it. Um, my husband and I, I would say up until so-called retirement age, we were workaholics. Now we like to work in areas that we enjoy and mm. he loves IT. So, you know, whatever he can pick up in IT, that's what he does. Um, he can spend hours on the computer at night learning something new. That's his enjoyment. The same way it is with me with podcasting and putting together websites. Um, it's not work to me. It is, yeah. it's part of my life. Yes. And, yeah. and I think when we can make our work part of our life, and I'm not saying our whole life, but part of our life, uh, we're so much more successful. I agree. 
and, and I'm still sort of pondering what you were talking about to do with ageism and people being sort of squeezed out at a certain age. And I, and I mean, so much of this is a result of our culture at many levels. I mean, we've got social media, you've got advertising, um, you've got, you know, this drive for cosmetic surgery and expensive um, procedures because you want to avoid being old, looking old. Um, so it, it, it's layered so many layers deep. And, you know, men generally uh, become more distinguished up at least into a certain age. And then women are just, they go from whoever they were, um, usually identified in partnership with a man, either desirable or not desirable or a mother, um, or, but eventually at some age, then we become invisible, right? And it makes me wonder if there's not some power in that invisibility, like, you know, <laughs> underestimated might be the word. <laughs> Love that. Well, I have to say, I don't feel invisible. Uh, I did when I was younger, but I, you know, it was, I think for me, it was going back to school, proving that I could do this for me, not for my parents, not for my social group that was expecting me to have a certain degree. Um, and then the day that I started podcasting, um, just walking into an internet radio station here in the Cleveland area saying, I have a show for you. And they said, we have no money. And I said, that's okay. I'm going to make my mark. And that's what I did. Um, and every week I'd go into the studio and I, I had guests and I was doing what I wanted to do until I finally said, you know what? I don't need them. I know what I need. And I came home and I, wrote it all down and figured out how much it was all going to cost me and um, started putting it together. And I happen to be very lucky. I have a wonderful, supportive husband who is my friend. Mm, and so he didn't look at me as my husband saying, oh, honey, don't do that. But he looked at me as an equal, as a friend and said, you want to do it? Do it. Yeah. And to this Let's day, go. he scratches his head. <laughs> <laughs> so much fun. That's yeah. so much fun. <laughs> so your clients are finding you through your podcast, through some social media, as you said. Um, what is your average, or do you even have an average client who seeks out your your coaching? Yeah. Um, for the most part. These are people over 40. They have been successful. Most of them have families in some way, shape or form. And they are tired of waking up in the middle of the night and wondering, what do I want to do when I grow up? And they have realized that coaching is the thing. And so these are intelligent people, well experienced and they don't want to be a DIYer. They want support. Help me get up to speed and get doing as efficiently as possible. You know, so they're not people that are trying to piece it together like a little crazy quilt. 
you know? Mm -hmm. So are we ever going to get to the point where we're oversaturated with coaches? I don't know how many doctors are there in the world. You know, I think of, I mean, I don't have any health concerns now, but I have my family doctor. And as soon as I have a health concern, I go to the hospital and there is a person there, a doctor there, as well as an emergency physician. And then if I need a surgery, there's an anesthesiologist and, and every specialty under the sun. So we think nothing of that. We think nothing of saying, is the medical profession saturated just at the doctor level? So I don't think so. I think that once people start coaching, they love it. Where else can you go and talk to somebody about your life in confidential terms? Somebody who believes in the dream that you want to create, not in helping you solve a problem. So if I could go to a coach for my business, and then I could go to a coach that specializes in maybe relationships, if I'm looking to improve my relationship or in how I am with my family, I think we're going to see more and more coaches because it makes our life more full. It makes our life more meaningful. Why wouldn't we want that? And I love your answer to that. I never would have correlated it in the way you did, but it makes so much sense because um, you're right. There are hundreds and thousands of doctors out there and we're not including the physician assistant and the nurse practitioner and all of them that we go to for medical concerns, our daily medical issues. Um, Because somebody had brought up this question to me last week. They said, well, you're a coach advocate, Karen. What does that mean? I said, I advocate for individuals to seek out coaching because so many of us walk around day after day saying, I wish I had, I wish I had, I wish I could. And, you know, sometimes I'll look at them and I'll say, stop. You can, if you want to, you may not know how to get there. But if you talk to somebody who's been down that road, you can learn some things. Don't have to do it exactly the same way. Um, In fact, I just helped somebody put together uh, a podcast and they said they just wanted to do it on their phone. No other way. So I helped them find out, you know, the best way to do that rather than holding the phone in their hand and it's shaking. Um, You know, I said, these are certain things that you can use and your phone will be stable and you will be stable. And they hadn't thought about it that way. They thought they were just going to hold the phone. Um, And so I realized that there is a, there's a need for all of us, (coughs) excuse me. And we have to stop being afraid of taking the chances. I mean, that's right. The yeah. worst thing that can happen, my father taught this to me ever since I was little, somebody's going to say no. And if they say no, that's one no. Eventually somebody's going to say yes. Yeah. And it would be like, yeah, but I don't want to hear a lot of no's. And he'd say that refine what you're talking about. Interesting. I like that. Refine. 
So, and that that's learning, learn oh, and tweak. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like active, active learning. Amazing. What great wisdom. So you have a podcast and you've already told us sometimes you have guests, sometimes you do it alone. <clears throat> what is it like? Because I've never done it alone. Okay. Um, and I envy people that can do that. Uh, I'm, I've been playing around with it, but I sometimes find when I'm trying to do it, I'm waiting for somebody else to talk to me. And that's not what happens. So what is a great way to get to share information on a podcast where it's just you, the microphone and the camera? Okay. So I think the first 20 episodes I did, I recorded them in my bedroom closet. And so right away, that atmosphere takes a whole bunch of pressure off because if I'm standing in amongst my husband's shirts and my clothes and all of that, it doesn't feel as tense. So that's the, that's the way I see yeah. um, Every type of episode has its good points and bad points. I love the conversation of interviews. And a lot of times I'll handpick some of my clients and interview them because it's a win-win. It helps people that might work with me um, hear what I am like with the client and it helps my clients because their coaches create an asset to help them. On the solo episodes, I'm, I'm trying to put it into words. I have... Um, I off, because I go into flow when I'm coaching and I can recreate that for my solo episodes. And so oftentimes I have a list of topics that I know I could talk about um, that leverage my expertise and my experience and all of that. Um, and then I will actually start to kind of write it um, and I can just hear what needs to be said. Then when I have my notes and I read them, it's just like I'm coaching somebody, you know, it's the time is there is no time. And my only goal is to make sure that somebody who found that episode would get help and would be able to do something out of it. So it's surprisingly easy. Um, yeah, it's surprisingly easy doing the solo episodes, but it's, I think it's because I approach it just the way I approach a one-on-one -on -one coaching session with somebody. So you developed your style is basically what you've done. Um, Thank you for putting that into words. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, when I've done, when I've done these on my own, um, it's funny, I'll let my husband see it. And he always tells me they're great. And then I delete them because it's like, I know, I know. It's like, you know, I didn't think it was that great. But thank you anyways for telling me that, honey. Um, you know, he's my biggest champion, but sometimes I think that's at my detriment because he's going to tell me everything I do is great. And, you know, I we all know we're not perfect. Um, and that brings me to the part of coaching that I love. And that is we get to see that the person who is guiding us has is as vulnerable as we are and is as human as we are whereas compared to 
when I've gone to a therapist and the therapist sits somewhat of a distance away from me with that pad of paper, writing lots and lots of notes. Um, and then at the end of the session is jumps right in and says, okay, I'm going to see you again. And it's like, whoa, I haven't even digested what we've been talking about in here. And sometimes um, I'm wondering, how do you understand all this other than the books you read? Mm. Whereas the coaches I've worked with, you know, I'll get tidbits about how they got there, how they know this, the experience that they had, uh, like you just shared in the beginning, you did your recordings in a closet. Wow. You know, wouldn't have thought about that. That might actually help me. Okay. Because as I sit in my studio, okay. Um, I just feel like everybody's watching me even when I'm here alone. So mm -hmm. that might be an interesting that way of putting be. it together. So yeah. can I ask you a favor sure. though? Sure. Never delete any of those not perfect episodes again. Yes, I know. Yep. There may be a use for those and you don't know what it is yet. It could be something amazing, right? Well, I will tell you all the blogs I've written, I have not deleted any of those. Um, and I knew as I said it to you, and you're, you're the first person that I've even shared that with that I've deleted them. I know some of my uh, coaches who have become my best friends are probably going to, when they hear this episode, they're going to be calling me and yelling at me and saying, what did <laughs> you do? Um, <laughs> yelling at you better. with love. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but again, it's, you know, I seek out those those questions and getting answers that, okay, so you did yours in your closet. Maybe I know somebody who told me that she used to sit underneath her desk oh, to do her one-on-one. I've heard that too. Um, or go and sit in your car. Yes. Well, and I have a friend who, um, she's one of our podcast hosts and she will, she loves the water. So she will take her phone and she will sit by the water because the water is her audience. It's her comfort zone. Right. And she's even said to me, where's your comfort zone? And I live in the middle of a park system. And I said, right here in the park. And she said, so for those individual ones, why don't you take a walk through the park? And I thought that might be a good idea as well. So, you know, uh, you can learn from other people. But you got to learn from yourself what makes you the most comfortable. Right. And if, you're, if your strength is in these conversations, is, that, is it just stay with your strength? Like, what's the most fun, right? Like, that's the thing. Yeah. I like the variety. That's my thing. I like variety. So. Well, and I just thought, you know, maybe it might help me on certain days because one of the things I do know when I write down my dialogue. It makes me feel so much better. Those things that are going through my head. Um, and I thought, well, maybe I could use those as, uh, you know, solo podcasts. <clears throat> and I still might, or I might still just keep writing. I have to think about it because I'm not ready to make that decision. Good. And you don't have to. Absolutely. <laughs> so how can our listeners find you and get to know you better. 
Hmm. So the easiest way is to come and listen to my podcast. She coaches coaches and it's on all the players. Um, that is the easiest way. I've also got a website, of course, as do we all. And you can check me out at candymotsek.com. And I'm sure that you'll put it in the episode notes so I don't have to yeah. spell it all out. Right. And you won't hear my Canadian Z. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I'm originally from Detroit and people here in Canada keep saying to me, I mean, in Cleveland keep saying to me, are you from Canada? It's like, no. And well, you sound like it. It's like, well, <laughs> whatever. I lived in the Detroit area for 25 years. So it stuck with me. Um, and our Canadian neighbors to the north are great neighbors. So, and I love going to Canada. So where in Canada are you? I'm just outside of Vancouver. Oh, okay. All right. That's the opposite part of the country for me. I know. Yeah. I know. Um, yep. So I've but been we're to, still neighbors. <laughs> yep. So I've been to Winnipeg. Obviously, I've been to Windsor. I've been to Toronto. Those are the only three major areas I've been to, but you never know what lies ahead in the future. That's right. That's right. So all of Candy's information is going to be in our show notes. I encourage each and every one of you go to her website listen to her podcast. If you think that Candy is the coach for you, contact her. Um, you know, that's a great thing about uh, online today. We can have a conversation just like we're doing a podcast. And uh, you can feel like you're sitting in her office or my office when you're talking to us. And um, I think I was born at the right time. I have the technology that I need. And on the weekends, I support it, uh, teaching younger people how to use it more efficiently than just sitting and playing video games. It's a perfect thing, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Again, I want to thank you for joining us, Candy. It's been a pleasure. And, um, and your dog is wonderful. What kind of dog do you have before we go? She's a rescue dog. So she looks like any old Mexican street dog. And, and she was just barking at my daughter, which is oh, crazy. Well, Karen, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank Boy, you. we, we really went all over the map. We did I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, you're welcome back anytime. Stay in touch. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye now.